Welcome to Pit Past Moto, the show that brings you deep dive interviews with the motorcycle industry insiders and racers that make the sport move. I'm Dale Spangler, and in this episode, my guest is Heather Wilson, founder and CEO of motorsports communication and marketing strategy company, High Gear Success. This episode is brought to you by Moto America, home of AMA Superbike Racing and North America's premier motorcycle road racing series. Rewatch every round of the 2023 series and revisit all the season's action with the Moto America Live Plus video on demand streaming service. Or visit the Moto America YouTube channel for race highlights and behind the scenes video content. Look for the 2024 race schedule to be announced soon over on the MotoAmerica.com website and be sure to follow Moto America on social media for real-time series updates and original content. Let's get started with this week's episode. I'm excited to welcome today's guest to Pit Pass, Heather Wilson. Heather, how are you today? What's happening? I'm doing good. Just uh, trying to wrap up some projects for the end of the year. Yeah. So do you actually have a slow time of the year? I always like to ask that question for people in the power sports industry. I feel like I know the answer, but sometimes I guess you get a little bit of break. Yeah, I feel like sometimes they're busier than others, but I feel like when you're in marketing and communications, there's really no slow time because there's always a project that you can find to do. <laughs> yeah. And if you're not, you're networking or whatever, yeah. I feel like that's just a huge part of being a small business owner, which, yeah, let's talk about your business. So you started High Gear Success and I think it was it 2020 or 2021. I think it was have- actually 2021. Okay. Tell us about it. How did, you, how did this idea come about and uh, what are you kind of setting out to do with your business? Yeah. I mean, time is definitely flying. Um, I come from an entrepreneurial family, so maybe it was kind of in my blood that I would go this direction at some point in my career. But yeah, 2021 was the year and I just decided like, hey, I have so many ideas, all these things that I want to accomplish, all these people that I want to help. And having the freedom to do that in your own business is really cool. And obviously it's been a wild ride, kind of like a roller coaster these past couple of years, but I'm loving it so far. Yeah. Time just flies by, doesn't it? When you're doing your own thing, you got to wear a lot of hats. You know, like I said, you're, you're networking, you're actually doing the work. I'm just kind of blown away with all the different things that you have your hands in that you're doing at once. And I'm like, I don't even know how you come up with (laughs) the time to do all this stuff, you know? But before we dive into that deeper though, I'd really like to kind of go all the way back to like how you got started in power sports. Cause I don't even think I've met anyone or had anyone on the show yet that literally grew up in a dealership, like a power sports dealership family. So tell us about that, how you got started. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely born into it. So my dad uh, raced off-road for pretty much his entire life. After he graduated high school, he started a dealership and he's owned it ever since. So I think actually we're getting ready to head into year 47 Wow! (laughs) uh, for his dealership, which is pretty cool. Not a lot of people can say that. So yeah, I grew up in the dealership, you know, helping out in there as a kid, hanging out in there, as well as like going to races with my family every weekend. That was really a large part of my childhood, going camping, um, going to races, taking the box truck. Like that was how we spent our time together as a family. That's awesome. So your dad was a racer too, right? You said, and then I think he even raced the six days. He did. He raced it four years. Oh, wow. So, I mean, yeah, he raced 80, 81, 82, 83, and 84 on, I think he was on the junior boss team one year and on the trophy team a couple years. They were the highest placing team up until recently when the U.S. won it. So his team, I can't remember what year it was, but they got second that year. So he was on the highest ranking team for the U.S. for decades until they recently won the ISDE. So cool. 
did he own the dealership then when he went, when he went to six days? He did. So the dealership was really like, <laughs> you know, getting to kind of fund his passion a little bit and, uh, you know, also make a living. So, so the dealership, like, I know this is a topic that comes up a lot where a lot of these dealerships are being bought up by these huge, like auto and power sports groups. Is this still privately owned by you know, like your mom and dad still family business? Yeah. Yep. It's just them, um, at the dealership actually day in and day out. And yeah, the landscape for dealerships is definitely changing. It's not as much the mom and pop owned shops as it used to be. So it's definitely, we're headed into a new landscape for dealership ownership for sure. So you're growing up, you know, in this dealership environment, you're riding motorcycles, and then you go to college and you get a bachelor's in journalism from Ohio University. And so I feel like that sort of was your next step moving you towards where you're at, you know, with your business and some of the jobs you had. Because I think your first industry job, if I'm not mistaken, was with the American Motorcyclists Association as a uh, communications specialist in 2013. So that was actually with the Motorcycle Industry Council. Oh, yeah. So the MIC, you had the dates right there. Yeah. <laughs> so in 2013, I uh, moved from Ohio to California to work for the Motorcycle Industry Council. And how that job kind of came about is, you know, I was a college kid networking on LinkedIn and connected with a guy who would eventually become my boss of the MIC and was like, hey, you know, I'm looking to get into the industry. Do you have any advice type of thing? And they're like, hey, well, we're hiring. So they flew me out for an interview and ended up hiring me, had that job lined up before I graduated. And that's what I did for a year. That's pretty cool. So you went straight out of college, right to California. Yes, <laughs> yes. right to Orange County, California, which was a drastically <laughs> different landscape than uh, Central Ohio. And I loved the weather, didn't so much love the expense, the traffic, and just a very different environment. So I ended up coming back to Ohio, and that's when I started working for the AMA, which is actually my hometown. Pickerington, I think, is where AMA, and you're not far from there, are you? Yeah. Yep. I uh, I grew up in Pickerington. I don't live there now, just about 20 minutes away. Then I started working for the AMA and was there for almost seven years in a variety of positions and gained a lot of experience and met a lot of great people and then kind of decided to set out on my own. Yeah. So you did a lot of things there when you're at during your t- tenure at the AMA. Like, I think you're an editor, you started out as like an associate editor, then you're a recreational writing, kind of were in charge of that. Yeah. So, so, is it dual sport and stuff like that? Yeah. When I started there, I was associate editor. So I was writing for the magazine. Then eventually uh, they kind of knew like, hey, you can write, you're in the marketing and you also really understand the event organizer landscape. So I was transferred over to the writing department. By the time I left, I was the director of, uh, oh gosh. Is that member activity? Is that what it was? Member activity. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's getting to be so long that I can't even remember the titles. <laughs> so that was overseeing any type of recreational riding, whether it was road, off-road adventure, as well as volunteers. So I like to say that anything that wasn't racing kind of fell under my purview. Um, and that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So you really have done a lot of different facets. I mean, I'm sure that comes from going to the races growing up where you just kind of got used to being around people and track promoters and, you know, people like that to where you probably got to know a lot of people, I would assume. And so that probably fit right in your wheelhouse. And I guess the other like piece of that too, is not only was my dad racing, but he belonged to an off-road motorcycle club in Logan, Ohio that still exists today. So that's where we spent the majority of our time camping and riding as kids because the club owns a couple hundred acres of private property that was really just like our private riding area. And so I did grow up in that club environment as well. And uh, what's really cool now is I'm helping that club with marketing services and helping them promote their events. So from growing up as this kid in the club to like now being a resource for them is pretty cool. Definitely. 
So then you're cruising along at the AMA and then, you know, 2020 kind of comes around and we all know, you know, it's the COVID story that we're sick of talking about, you know, but, um, and you start high gear success, but you also had another little facet. I think it's pretty cool. High gear strategy, which I think that was first, right? Where you're helping people build LinkedIn profiles and doing like professional resume building, I think. Yeah, I was kind of dabbling in that entrepreneurship segment. And so I was helping people with career resumes and with LinkedIn, kind of not doing the motorsports thing on the side. And then I decided like, you know, this is really where my passion is. Like, these are the people that I enjoy helping. So that's kind of when I set out on my own for high gear success. So kind of all under the high gear umbrella, but different segments. Yeah. Was there like a particular kind of spark that really just said, you know what, it's time for me to try something on my own? Because I know for me, like my hand was sort of forced, you know, like I lost my job, my last corporate job with Tucker, Tucker Power Sports. And I was kind of sitting around, you know, spending money, but not making any money and decided, well, I guess I'm going to you know, try and be a freelancer. And I, so it kind of forced my hand. I was looking for jobs, but it just was difficult. So how did you make that decision, I guess? Yeah, I think... <laughs> I got to be careful how I wear this, actually. Um, <laughs> all right. you don't, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was a little bit of a forest tan, but also I had been thinking about it, like wanting to do my own thing. And again, just having the freedom and the flexibility to really go after ideas that I knew were going to make an impact. I mean, working in any type of corporate environment, there are limitations. So being able to go out on my own meant that I could really pursue different strategies and activities that I wanted to pursue for my clients. Of course, it's a little different. You don't necessarily have the financial resources and backing when you're an entrepreneur that you have in a, in a large organization like that. And I was managing three people by the time I left. So I was really involved in the strategy and delegating as well. And now, like you said, you're kind of doing it all, especially in the early years of being a business owner. Like maybe I'll get to a point where I can delegate some stuff. But right now I'm kind of a, a one woman show. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I think I saw this like meme where it's like, oh, how cool is it that I decided to start my own business and work 24 seven, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you definitely end up working more in your own business, but it's also like really satisfying that like you're doing it, I mean, for your clients, of course, but also for yourself. Yeah. You get to set the limits on when you want to work and where you want to work. And I love that flexibility of being able to set my own hours. I agree. It doesn't really feel like work to me, honestly, because it's been my lifestyle my whole life. And so it sounds like it's the same for you, you know, like growing up around it where it doesn't necessarily feel like work a lot of times. For sure. So I, I noticed your goal on your website for High Gear Success is to help motorsports businesses, event organizers, and riders get noticed and make more money. So you're helping, say, a race team connect with sponsors? Are you doing things like that, like building professional decks? And are you just more focused on individual athletes? Yeah, that's definitely a segment. So, I mean, I have some individual racers come to me for services like that, as well as some teams. So I'm building anything from a one-page racer resume to a multiple-page sponsorship deck to get some higher-level sponsors. Over the last couple of years, like, my work has kind of expanded in the industries beyond motorcycling even. So there's, you know, I have some ATV clients, I have some UTV clients. I got a call coming up this week with a client that's in car racing stuff, which is a little bit uh, foreign territory for me. But I think motorsports is so niche and there's not a lot of people doing what I'm doing. I mean, people find me online. That's where a lot of my leads come from. They're literally Googling and I'm, I'm popping up online or it's coming from referrals. So at the end of the day, like my goal is to get them noticed, get them publicity, make them look really professional. So sponsors do want to pick them up and that they have a good appearance for their fans. Well, I saw where one of them was where you got to help with PR for a Team USA at the Quad Cross of Nations in Italy. This year. Yeah. How cool is that? 
Did you actually get to go or did you just kind of help out? I did not go. I probably could have twisted their arm into taking me, <laughs> but I was like, I don't really need to be there on site. Like I can write from afar, which is the cool thing. Cause I do have clients like across the country and I've even had clients from across the globe. And that's what's cool about what I do is I can write remotely because it would require a much, much larger budget <laughs> to be in person at all these events. Definitely. You have some other like teams and racers that you uh, that you help support with your PR? Yeah. Um, 4130 Motorsports is the ATV team that I've been helping for the past couple of years. Uh, last year, I actually covered PR for a snowcross team. They ended up dissolving last year after being in many decades of racing. But that was a really cool experience for me. And again, something that I didn't really have much experience with. But once you know racing and once you can kind of learn to read results and get the details from the racer, like it's all pretty similar when writing race reports. So that was a cool segment. Got to go to my first snowcross race last year up in Minnesota and had a lot of fun. I agree. It's like it's all racing, maybe slightly different lingo here and there, but like between snow and NASCAR and things like that. But for the most part, it's racing. So, you know, you kind of get the gist of it. Yeah. I think I mentioned this already. So have you helped any like bigger teams yet with creating any of these like sponsorship type decks, you know, where you try and get like a outside sponsor or anything like that? Because that seems like it'd be a lot of work to put into it to hope that you get some interest because it just seems like it's really tough to open those doors for outside sponsors for motorsports. Yeah. For one of my UTV clients, they ended up getting a sponsorship with Polaris this year, which is a pretty big accomplishment. Nice. As far as building out the decks for them, though, I am kind of involved in like the strategy and the content and like building out the deck, but I'm not actually going and pitching the sponsors for them because I feel like that gets to be a little bit messy when I have a bunch of clients that like if I was going to these same sponsors over and over again for a bunch of different clients, yeah, it would get kind of muddy. So I just kind of help them on the backside to get everything set up so they can really build that relationship and have that conversation with the potential sponsors. Now, another thing I think is really cool, and I've been seeing this more and more because I've done it myself and I've seen some of the articles you've written for media publications where you'll take you know, say a racer, write a story and then align with the magazine and then they'll publish the story that you wrote on the racer. And I just feel like with the media landscape just becoming, you know, there's less and less media organizations, you know, traditional media. So having these types of pieces that you can write and then be able to get them in the magazine, it's helping your writer, but it's also helping the magazine because they're, they're starving for content too, probably. You kind of see that as a little bit more of the future of content going forward? Yeah. And Building those relationships are so important from like the racer perspective too, because I mean, like you said, the magazines are looking for content and sometimes racers are really hard to get a hold of. So if I have existing relationships with racers, especially the ones that are the top ones and that are winning races, it makes it really easy for me to reach out to them and get a quote or get background details on the event that go into that race report rather than just trying to write it from, you know, lap times or something like that. A lot of these PR agencies, I feel like that's what they do for the most part is they're assigned an athlete or, a, you know, a brand. And all, they're, all they do is just try and get as much exposure, you know, magazine articles, features, all that kind of stuff. This content creation landscape, is, it's, it's kind of hard to keep up with sometimes. Yeah, there is definitely so much content out there. And like the more that you can be consistent with it and stand out, like to rise above that other content, it definitely requires a lot of work and strategy. We'll get back to the conversation in one moment. But first, here's a word from our sponsor. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Another thing I noticed, you do a lot of things. And uh, another super cool thing that you do is you're a trainer and a safety instructor for the Motorcycle Safety Foundation. You've been doing that for nine years. Yeah. So obviously, when I moved to California to work for the MIC, the Motorcycle Safety Foundation is under that same umbrella. So I was familiar with their curriculum and writing communications pieces for them then. Um, I wasn't an instructor at that time. I moved back to Ohio. And actually, I think it was like the following spring, I signed up to become an instructor. So at the time, Ohio utilized MSF's curriculum. I got certified in that. A few years later, Ohio actually owns their own proprietary curriculum now. So I'm trained in that as well. And that's the curriculum that I train people who want to become instructors in and update our current instructors. So I kind of have two curriculum certifications for that. And then most recently, this July, I haven't really put it out there yet because <laughs> I've had so many projects that I've been working on, but I got <laughs> certified to be a dirt bike school instructor Sweet. for the MSF. So that's a project in the works for future years to also teach people how to ride dirt bikes. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Before I went to college for journalism, I wanted to be a teacher my entire life. And I feel like I sort of had to abandon that to go into journalism. And so this really applies my love of teaching with something that I'm passionate about. And of course, it's like making an impact with helping people get started in motorcycling, as well as like learning to ride safely. I'm a big advocate for safety. Yeah. So I, actually, Idaho has, a, has their own program called STAR. And I don't know what it's called in Ohio. But yeah, it's similar where you can go and you know take courses before you go get your motorcycle license. So I think it's a great thing. I noticed there was an article that you were quoted on that I think was pretty interesting and something that's probably nationwide kind of an issue. We need more training. Most states have no mandatory training for motorcyclists. And I think you, you were kind of quoted in this article in the Columbus, Ohio area. And I just, I couldn't agree more. I feel like there's so many people, these motorcycles, they can walk into a dealership for the most part and buy some of these bikes. And if they don't have the skills, you know, it's, they're kind of setting themselves up for disaster in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I don't think that training has to be mandatory, but like highly recommended. I mean, I would want to get training and I would recommend that everybody would get training. There's so many things that you just can't learn from reading stuff online or watching YouTube videos. And to really take a training course, it's building blocks. It's teaching them step by step. And I always laugh and say like family members shouldn't teach family members (laughs) because it usually doesn't end up well. Like the personalities, it just doesn't work. And even my dad, you know, being an off-road racer for all of his life and being a really good one, there's definitely been tension with him trying to teach me things from time to time. I think it would go better now. But when I was first getting started, it, uh, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't going real great. I mean, that kind of goes back to what you're saying. You'll want to be a teacher where that's such a skill to me, like being able to convey information in a clear and concise manner. I mean, that's, that's a super important skill. Yeah. You know, you might know how to ride a motorcycle, but if you can't convey that information to someone else, it's kind of worthless. Yeah. And I think so many people have been riding for so long, they forget what it's like to learn how to ride. <laughs> yeah. They forget some of the basic concepts that really need to apply. It's not just like get on and twist the throttle and let out the clutch. Like there's, there's very particular words that should be used to make sure the right techniques are being applied. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, being able to use the front brake and it's, you know, probably 80% of your stopping power, like being able to use skills like that. I just feel like we sort of take it for granted. Brake pedal, shift lever, clutch, brakes. I mean, there's a lot going on right there if you're if you're a newbie. There's a lot going on because you're using both hands and feet. And also it's like very much a mental thing too. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So it's good to see that there are uh, more of these programs are, are kind of growing and, you know, expanding. Yeah, Ohio's curriculum was kind of modeled after STAR, and we actually had a State Motorcycle Safety Association conference in Boise Oh, cool! Um, a few years ago that I went to, and I got to travel around Idaho for a week with one of my fellow instructors just for fun on vacation, and Idaho is, like, amazing. It's beautiful. It's horrible. Horrible. It's just not, not a good place <laughs> I know. Don't tell more people to move there. <laughs> well, another thing I want to talk about, like I was talking about earlier, you have your, you know, your kind of resume and LinkedIn consulting for profiles. It literally is kind of like your resume these days. Let's face it, your LinkedIn profile is more than you can put on, obviously, on a single page. But I wanted to see what your thoughts were on like the classic, you know, one page resume, or is that out the window now? I'm just kind of wondering what your thoughts are on things like resumes and the LinkedIn profile. Like what's more important these days? I think when it comes to resumes, there are so many different opinions and that is just a fact of it. There are a lot of opinions on what makes for a good resume. So you may talk to one resume writer and they may say something completely different than what I have in mind. But the key part of any resume is really making sure that you convey like the skills that you have. And most of the people that I talk with are so humble or they minimize the things that they're doing. They like oversimplify it that they're not giving themselves enough credit. Mm. And at the end of the day, when you're applying for a job, like the whole point of a resume is to talk yourself up and show how qualified you are with all these skills and why you're going to be a good fit. So the nice part about working with somebody like myself or another resume writer is they're going to draw those things out of you rather than you like humbly putting it together yourself. So really being able to like match those skills and experiences that you have with what the company is is looking for. That is such great advice because I feel like I am an example of that because I am terrible at you know, kind of promoting things I've done myself. I forget half the things I've even done, you know, throughout my 30 years in this industry. And so, like you said, it's like, this is the time when you kind of can talk about yourself because you need to, to be able to find a position, but it's so hard to do that when you're kind of an introvert, maybe just, I don't know, like it's just, it's tough to do. It's always like a lot harder to talk about yourself too. I find that even in my business, like I, it's so easy to promote all my clients, but sometimes it's hard to talk about myself. (laughs) Yeah. Now, what about like on the LinkedIn profile, like are you using all the tools? Because they have some really amazing tools now where you can newsletters and all these really cool things you can do where I haven't done like a newsletter personally, because I feel like I just know the time commitment it takes. And I just I'm not willing to commit to that on like a consistent basis at the moment. But I've seen some people out there do some pretty successful newsletters where it's just more and more ways to keep your name in the you know top of mind. Yeah, I think LinkedIn is so underutilized. And I mean, it's been around for a long time. Like I said, going back to when I was in college, that's how I landed my first job. That's how valuable it was then. And it's still super valuable today. And so there really aren't a lot of people creating content on LinkedIn. Like you really have a good chance of your content getting seen if you're even just creating posts, like not even going to the extent of a newsletter, because people just really aren't utilizing it. And when I do post on LinkedIn, like I get a lot of traction from it. So it's definitely a segment that I think people should think about more, depending on your demographic, of course, it's it does tend to be more business minded people, like you're not going to find a ton of racers unless maybe they own a race team or they own a business on LinkedIn. 
I've been surprised how many more businesses and racers I've been seeing on LinkedIn. And like, I keep telling people it's just a diamond in the rough because it's like Facebook was maybe 10 plus years ago when it was just simple and the algorithms hasn't, you know, gone crazy yet to where you're just serving up all this random stuff that makes no sense to you. But now it's everything on there seems like it's pretty relevant content for the most part. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So another thing I noticed is you seem to do a lot of volunteering. And that's something that like personally, I've always struggled with. Like, I think it's such an admirable thing to do, but I just can't seem to get out there and do it. <laughs> and so where does that desire come from? It just seems like it's you, you do a lot of it. Yeah, I would say that's deeply ingrained in me as well. So I, I grew up watching my parents volunteer a lot of their time, like my dad volunteering with the Off-Road Motorcycle Club. My mom always volunteered in the schools. I was a 10-year 4-H member in Ohio. That's where I attribute a lot of my community service qualities and leadership qualities as being in that program growing up. And I've just kind of continued with it. And I mean, even going back, probably high school, there's an enduro series here in Ohio called ACES. And before I was headed into journalism, the president of the organization recruited me to write race reports. That was really like my first time with it. And I was just in high school. And that was a volunteer thing that eventually led into a paid thing. But I still volunteer a ton of time um, for different causes, whether it's going to nursing home visits with my dog, we're going to an elementary school tomorrow to visit with the kids, and uh, also just dedicating a lot of volunteer time to motorsports. And I feel like that's super important. And yeah, I make money from it and I need money to pay my bills and live, but I also like being able to give back to that community. So I've been hosting free Fuel for Thought virtual meetups that are bi monthly for motorsports event organizers. And there are still like other things that I do. So I have to be careful to strike a balance where like, I'm not volunteering all of my time and I can't pay my bills. So <laughs> the last year I've been tracking my time on a little time tracker and I'm kind of scared to look at the analytics at the end of this year as to like what's paid and what's volunteer work. But uh, yeah, it's a fine balance. To me, those are just like those feel good projects that just make you I just feel good about, you know, giving back. And so I can imagine that's a huge part of it. You know, it's just got to feel good to be able to give back, things like that. And like I said, I've thought about it so many times. I just need to make that next step. I just can't seem to do it for some reason. But yeah, I see people like you and I just admire you from afar because I'm like, wow, you know, it's just you're doing so many things like the dog stuff. I'm like, yes, I love dogs. I need to find something to do with dogs. <laughs> so I'm the same way. Yep. <laughs> but I was going to bring up those Fuel for Thought meetups because I, I I saw that you're having those. What exactly does that entail? Is it just kind of helping, say, a track promoter or an event uh, promoter organize, just remember all the facets of promoting a, promoting a race or a series? Yeah, I really believe in like the spirit of collaboration and bringing people together rather than having like a really competitive environment. Yep. Like, of course, racing is competitive, but I feel like as event organizers, like the more that you can collaborate, like the stronger we're going to be as an industry. And so I wanted to bring people together across the country that I've maybe never met before. And even in the first two calls, we've had people meeting that are now like being on each other's podcast or talking about different projects together. And so I'm really looking forward to just seeing that grow. And again, it's more than just motorcycling. And it's so many different segments of motorsports that people are all meeting and sharing ideas. And then I'm doing like a mini training on a topic at each meeting just to kind of give them some some tips if that's not something that they've been doing, whether they're brand new or they've been around for decades. And of course, that's all networking, you know, when you're doing that. So you're meeting more people and mm -hmm. your kind of circles expanding. So yeah. you're definitely doing something right, Heather, because I saw where you won that one of the Power Sports Business 40 Under 40 Award 
that must feel pretty good. It's also got to be kind of affirming to be like, you know what, I think I'm in the place I'm supposed to be. Is that the case? That is definitely a career highlight for me. I think it's really cool to win that award. And it's just like so nice to be able to contribute to an industry that I'm passionate about. And that was something that I was very intentional with after I went to college is like, I could get a job in journalism in really anything, right? Or you could go work for a traditional newspaper or news station or, or whatever. But I wanted to combine it with something that I love. So it was either going to be motorsports or nonprofits from that volunteering background. And motorsports is what I fell into. Well, keep up the great work, Heather. You've been doing just some great stuff. I keep seeing your posts all the time, like on LinkedIn. And uh, it just seems like your business keeps growing. And how can our listeners out there, though, learn more about you and high gear success? So if you visit my website, it's highgearsuccess.com. You can find all the links to my social media on there. Drop me a note via the contact page. I would love to connect. Awesome. Well, thanks again for your time today, Heather. Just really appreciate all that you're doing for the industry. Great stuff. Power sports business companies out there. If you're in need for some help, give uh, High Gear Success a consideration and, and uh, reach out to Heather. Again, thank you so much today. Thanks so much for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, follow Pit Pass Moto on your favorite podcast listening app so you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please rate or review our show. We'd greatly appreciate it. You can also follow us on social media or visit pitpassmotorsports.com where you can listen to the past episodes and check out the new Pit Pass Motorsports blog powered by Podium Life, featuring articles and industry news focused exclusively on two-wheel and four-wheel motorsports. Head to pitpassmotorsports.com to check it out. I'm Dale Spangler. I hope you'll join us next week for another episode of Pit Pass Moto. Thanks for listening. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.